Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. This is episode 372. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening. Happy September. Yay. <laughs> this year's flown by. It really has. You'd think nothing happened. Like, there was no fires, no floods, no... <laughs> the only thing missing from this summer was locusts. Yeah. A lot, a lot's happened this year, but it's honestly, it's flown by. I cannot believe it's September 1st today. Yeah, it, it has really just clicked on by. And it's just going to the steamroll us in the, into the fall. Like, we're at the point now where we're only a couple of weeks away from the start of training camp. Right. Yeah, we got the Buffalo tournament coming up soon within a, within a couple of weeks. And uh, as everyone probably saw on Twitter, the Canadians put out their new wallpaper and there's hockey on the schedule. We got some preseason games coming up and uh, it's going to be some exciting times. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Oh, yes. There's, you know, honestly, even in the dead of summer, there was always something to talk about with the Canadians because why not? <laughs> Sorry, people, you got to keep, you got to keep, keep hearing our voices. <laughs> In inopportune times. <laughs> we did take a little bit of a break there, you know, cutting back to one show. And we had to go a couple of weeks without anything because we were so busy. Uh, Treg, actually, right now, he's on duty on the base. He is holding down the fort. I feel safer knowing he's there. I do, too. Because if anything comes, anything comes in there, he's just going to flex. And they're just going to be like, I don't want any part of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He just he just flashes the uh the spray tan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It just looks like a beacon. Oh yeah. Yeah, but things are drawn to it. That's the problem, right? He just looks like this gold off his pecs. Yeah, he just looks like this gold statue up on the hill. (laughs) And he he makes his pecs dance to scare them. Yeah. (laughs) Like a sexy flexing lighthouse. (laughs) <laughs> stupid sexy track yeah <laughs> uh all right so for this episode uh there's a few things that we we're going to talk about um the first thing we're going to talk about is the uh the canadians released a uh a draft video where it goes into some detail on what led up to the draft and it gives us a little bit of a bird's eye view there's clearly so much left on the editing room floor, but there's a few things that we can talk about. So I wanted to get your take on the overall of that video. I like to, I like that there was a little bit of uh, you could tell there was a little bit of fire in the room. Uh, Some of the, some of the scouts were a little bit more heated than others and some of their discussions, obviously, we don't know everyone that they were talking about. Obviously there's a lot of speculation out there when they started talking about some of these highly skilled guys and everything. And they kind of blanked out some, uh, some words and they muffled some voices and everything and whatever else. 
by you know you can think that maybe they were talking about a Ryan Leonard, maybe they were talking about a Matt Vemichkov. Um, that a lot of people thought if available, Montreal's going to swing for the fences of this guy. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, but the, the 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 one that really stuck out to me was when they were talking about um, Jacob Fowler and saying that this guy's been the best in his position for X amount of years. And he's, you know, he'd pretty much be unnoticed. He's likely going to be available. And I like the fire. I like the fire that 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 he showed. And and then when they talked to Fowler, and they they talked to him about, um, you know, kind of like what what gets you going. And when he when he said that line about sitting in his living room with his parents wearing a shirt and tie watching the ohl draft watching the ushl draft you know five six hours not hearing his name and then really proving everybody wrong and now being considered one of if not the best young united states goaltenders out there uh, you know winning the ushl championship he's the playoff mvp wins the goaltender of the year award etc like this guy definitely has it in has it into him and i think that he is surpassed probably any goaltending prospect the canadians have right now and i'm not even talking about even goaltending prospects like you look at the pecking order and this guy has jumped over guys that have even maybe made pro debuts yeah they've got him uh pretty high up with his potential just based on potential he's seen as a uh a starter, a true starter. Absolutely. And, and, to, and to get him in the third round in position of need, obviously we don't know what's going on with Carey Price, but we can always speculate. The guy sold his house in Montreal. <laughs> you know, they, they, yes, there's all the talks. We're going to, oh, yeah, he's going to start. He's going to start with the team. Well, that's an LCIR thing. That's the only, that's the only thing they're trying to do. They're trying to maximize their potential for LTIR. I'd love to see the guy back. I'm a massive Carey Price fan. I always have been, always will be. Unfortunately, his days in Montreal as a player look to be over. So I look at a guy like Fowler. We were able to speak to him in Nashville. Very nice kid. His father was a very nice guy as well. Um, He seems very determined. He seems very uh, goal-oriented. He seems very focused. And the fact that he's going to be going to Boston College after such a good year uh, with the Youngstown's Phantoms, going into Boston College with such a um, stacked ro- stacked roster, really, yeah. They they've got yeah. well, Will Smith's going to be there, uh, just to name one of the players that's going to be there, uh, as Whole well line. as well as uh, Ryan Leonard. So he's going to have some yeah. good players to play with him. The spotlight's going to be on them. And I think honestly, the sky's the limit for this kid. And I would, I would say he's one of Montreal's top five prospects right now. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I could agree with that. Um, the non-professional playing prospects, I agree. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's going to Boston College really, really helps. I think you, you touched on a little bit. For me, it's the the competition level of the ECAC. He's going to be up against some of the best teams in the country yeah. down there. And that means he's going to have to start really studying those players. So in the video, they interviewed him and they asked him about oh, the this shooters player, what hand stuff. he shoots. Yeah, yeah and, that was that was impressive. Yeah. That yeah. shows that he is actually 
planning. He is thinking about the game. He's not yep. just focused on reacting. He's pre-planning what he's going to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that he went from undrafted to the absolute best goalie in the league, that says a lot. That, that uh, fuck you, I'm going to show you what's what yep. attitude. Instead of being all pissy, he focused it into his game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a high character kid that I think with the competition he's going to be facing and the help he's going to have in, in developing, this is a guy that really does open my eyes a bit. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah. Well, I remember when we were sitting together in day two of the draft and this pick was coming up, I looked at you and I said, Jacob Fowler should be the pick. And yeah, it happened. So he was yeah, on my, he was right. He was on my list. He was quite high. Um, we took, we had talked to other goaltenders and they was just, they were flying off the board like gauge yeah. and like, right. Like gauge was the first one to go. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, all right, maybe a little bit of a surprise. However, put up a solid performance uh, during the junior tournament. And it was kind of goaltender after goaltender after goaltender. And we're like, okay, is Montreal going to jump on one of these guys? eventually and this pick came up they heard his name and uh again i think sky's the limit for this guy i think he's going to be a future starter and uh he impressed me he impressed me with the uh with the with how he answered the questions and his demeanor and when he talked about playing under the lights and uh that pressure is a privilege and all this stuff like yeah the, you know i don't think this guy's just trying to throw lines out for the for the for the cameras in front of him like I, I think that this guy's got the he's got the tools and now it's just to refine them and for the Canadians uh team to develop this guy properly into a future number one goaltender. He's already got the size for it. He's already he's still growing. Um, you know, he's a six foot two goaltender, he's already over two twenty. Um, he's got the size, he chubby. moves right. No, he's not. He's got the air right, and he's got the he moves well. He's no got the pedigree behind him he knows his own skill set um i'm looking forward to seeing what this guy can do however I'm really okay go ahead no no i was just going to get into the get into ryan barker you know i uh, i'm going to stay on uh, on fowler for just a second but not really fowler the um the underlining issue around fowler listening to the in the video you see two scouts kind of jawing at each other over goaltenders. And the point made was Fowler's a gamer. If yeah. he's in a game, he's he's going to win it for you. When you have yeah. a game on the line, that's the guy you want. And the other scout was adamant about some other kid who had so-called better tools. Right. And the one that was backing Fowler made a very good point about, do you, you can draft for the tools and hope it comes together. You can draft uh, the kid who goes, uh, he was a gamer. Yeah. Like it's not, uh, I don't think it's a bad idea to go either way, but the fact that they went with the kid who's a gamer says something that they're really focusing on trying to win. And uh, like you look at, um, it's kind of like the difference between Patrick Roy and uh, Martin Brodeur. Brodeur is, almost impeccable. He's got that reputation. Whereas Roy, he is known as someone who gives up a bad goal here and there, but he's going to fight through the game. That's the yeah. kind of 
that's the argument they were having back and forth and they chose the gamer yeah i, I really wonder who they were talking about in that time because yeah. in in kind of how they had this guy ranked or, or where they had this guy ranked because i'm just pulling up the the draft right now and we're talking goaltenders round two gaijin went at 35 harabo went to 38 augustine went 41 Carson Bjarnson, who is very uh, highly mm-hmm. um, considered to be one of the top goaltenders, uh, he went to Philly at 51. And then Damian Clara went at 60. And the next goalie was Fowler at 69. So I'm wondering, very who, nice pick. Uh, right? So I'm wondering who that, who maybe that other player was. I'm just making an assumption and thinking it's Bjarnstrom. Maybe. Because I believe the scout that was pushing the the uh, this the tools is from the West. I'm just okay. it, I think I think I'm, don't quote me on it, but that's that's my idea behind it. Right. So, but with that, they would have had to trade up to do it. Yes. Right. Because at that point, at that point, the deal had already been made for Newhook. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have those second round picks anymore. Yeah, no late first, no early second. Yeah. Um, that if they had not made the trade for Newhook, I honestly believe they would have made a, a pick for a goaltender with that thirty seventh overall. Yeah, because like I know we had talked um, Harabo quite a bit. Yeah, if he had been available and everything like that. So, but I think they made that deal, knowing that they were comfortable with one of the four others. Yeah, N- namely Fowler, clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you wanted to talk about Reinbach. Yeah. Um, I just, the way, the way that they portrayed him in the video, like they, you know, yes, there was some, there was some good footage, but there was some of the footage that they showed. I just kind of think it was more like filler footage with him. I don't, I, I thought that when they talked about Fowler, it was, here's a, you know, here's kind of like a, a, a fiery confident player and i didn't see that in the video that they showed for reinbacher i'm not saying the kid doesn't have doesn't have it in him or anything like that but i just kind of thought it was like they were showing like perspectives of two different players um mm-hmm. and uh i don't know i think they just could have been a little bit better maybe with what they decided to share um with the in that small video, like I like how they put the, I like how they put the, um, the spot at the end with him signing his contract and showing his family and everything. That's, that's great. It's an awesome, that's an awesome yeah. moment. Um, and I do like some of the back and forth that they had. And again, we don't know who they were talking about. Could be Mitchkov, could be Leonard, who knows, but I do like the point that they said, you look at some of the last top teams that have won the Stanley cup. They've had that premier defenseman. And I like the back and forth that they had there. And and I do think that he's going to end up being a solid pick. Is he going to be that offensive dynamo defenseman? Who who knows? But as of right now, he does everything that he needs to do. He was the top defenseman in the draft. He went as the top defenseman in the draft. And now it's up to the Montreal Canadiens to, um, to develop him properly and not to rush him. Um, so I have a question for you. God. 
they've brought him over which is and just calm down everybody I, i'm sure you saw it on cap friendly that he's been loaned to the montreal canadians that is something that needs to be done for him to come over it's not that they're bringing him over he's not starting with the team etc like calm down it could happen but i'm thinking that if he comes over and he performs and outperforms some of the guys that are possibly already on the roster does he get that maybe nine game window or does he maybe start with the team? Um, I think that he is going to stay till the very end of camp and then go back to Europe. Uh, he'll get a bunch of games in the preseason and they'll send him back. I think it's more to more to let him take some more time to acclimatize, to develop a little bit more and keep him out of the spotlight that is in Montreal. Uh, we all know about the uh, the garbage that happened after he was picked, yep. and I would assume that they would want to keep him out of that for for as long as they can. Right. So my assumption is he just goes right back. Right. I would have to agree with you. I would say it's the best place for him. Go there, play top minutes in the Swiss League, get as much experience as you can, learn as much as you can while you're in North America for training camp, and then go back, play the top minutes go to the juniors and just highlight, you know, showcase yourself, highlight, do whatever you got to do and come back next year and fight for a spot. Yeah. That's my expectation for him. Um, Yeah. It's a tough call. I mean, you want, I know a lot of people would want to keep him here, but with so many players already filling the roster, there's no need. They they don't have a specific need to to put him in. Like if there was an opening, eh, maybe, perhaps. But um, there's no. They've got enough people that could play in the NHL as it is. As good or as bad as they may be, there's people there, and right. there's no. They, their hand isn't being forced here. They're, so they can make the best decision for the player in the long run. Anything else you want to say from the video? I've seen a lot of people making comments about, uh, oh my God, look, they picked out that they, they're talking about players at the exact position they picked them. Like they knew where they were going to be. Well, no, no, this is all edited footage. Clearly yeah. they, at every single pick they had, they talked about several players. Yeah. So the, the, why would they, they're not going to put out video about players that were picked by other teams that they right. were talking about. They're right. only going to put out the stuff they talked about, about yeah. their own that yeah. they ended up with. And they, and, and that's something that they're not really allowed to do and post that. Exactly. Which we saw in the earlier parts of the video when they're discussing these other players. They're right? muted. They're, they're all muted. Exactly. Right. So, so, so yes, you can yeah. say that, Florian Jacki was on their list at whatever pick. You can say that that I think. yeah, uh, Kunishnikov or Kalishnikov or whatever the hell his name is, uh, the Russian uh, KHL defenseman, uh, was available. We had never even heard of him before, but he looks to be a promising defender. So um, I'm going to give them some faith. Um, we talked about the draft afterwards. We were there, and uh, we were all surprised that. Uh, you know, they took three goalies and they did this and they did this and maybe kind of scratched our heads a little bit on the Reinbacher pick and everything. But, you know, that was 
couple months ago. And I think that we've been, uh, we've done our research a little bit more and we may feel a little bit better about it, but at the same time, we haven't seen any of these guys play since the, since that happened. So, um, I'm looking forward to the next couple weeks and seeing some of these guys in action at, uh, at the rookie camp and we'll, we'll go from there. I particularly like the, um, the feel that the scouts had about the draft as a whole, because they're talking about, well, Jack I is going to be there at 101. He may not be there at the next pick. Uh, we can get that Russian kid in the fifth round and this Kalishnikov. That you're yeah. Whatever about. his name is, right. <laughs> the AK 47. Yeah. Um, so they, they were, they were putting together a strategy and mitigating strategies yeah. to get the players they wanted. And, the last piece I want to talk about with the that video is uh, Bob Rov calling Jack Eye a unicorn. People are all up in arms about that too, thinking that he means he's going to be a superstar or whatever. No, no. I think he feels that the kid's going to be an NHL player. Yeah. Because he brings specific tools that are hard to find. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find a kid who can skate like he does and play physically. And have the frame that he has. Like he, when he was drafted, he was six two, and he's already grown another inch or two. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be big, right? So when I look at Florian Jacki, I kind of see them picking a player, thinking he's gonna possibly, hopefully, turn into a guy like what they thought Luke Tuck was gonna be. Yeah, like a middle six energy physicality type play. right so far tuck yeah. hasn't really taken off yet um he's going to be doing his fourth year at boston university this coming year um the numbers really haven't been there um he we have we read we have we used to talk about him as maybe the a, a next top prospect and that those those thoughts have kind of uh drifted with his with his play um, we'll see what he brings this year, but I, I think they're kind of looking at him and maybe that mold of saying, you know, this can be a guy that can be that energy guy in our lineup. And, uh, we've seen what his brother brings to the lineup and it, he was a late bloomer as well. He was an undrafted player, uh, goes to the Montreal Canadians on a training camp, walks out with a, walks out with a contract and now he's a fan favorite. So... Yeah if he can bring that same level of work ethic that his brother did, maybe get some reps in at Costco too. Um, then, then uh, you know, I, I think that the, we're looking at a, at least a third, fourth line player in, in a few years. Well, and yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, this is a guy who he's got the basis of a player who can provide you at the very least that bottom six type player. Uh, energy guy of physicality and he could end up being a little bit more i don't know about unicorn being you know some star or whatever but uh jay mckee former nhler his head coach with uh what where, where's the hamilton team based out of now brantford so they're, they're moved to brantford so anyway the brantford co uh, coach uh jay he's he's talking about the growth of Florian Jack Eye just in the summer and the way he's talking, it sounds like he's going to play a massive role with that team this season. So if he can come into the season, produce 
offensively gaining confidence, that would be a massive leap forward in a D plus one. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to end up being a top line player, but he could end up being an off offensively capable third liner. Yeah. And you, you're, you used a fourth round pick on him. Yeah. Like that's, that's good pick. Yeah. I remember I read that, that thing with McKee and, uh, said that he had he had grown considerably and gained mass and um he'd be able to um to uh pretty much take the vigors of a season right um yeah so i I, i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how big this guy actually got because his brother's at like six four so and he got drafted at six two so now he's we're looking at it's probably six three six four I think he was drafted. He was like 175. I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm looking forward to seeing like when the weigh-ins happen. Is there yeah. their training camp? Well, they're playing actually. They're playing their first exhibition game tonight. He's not in the lineup, but they are playing their first exhibition game tonight. So I'm looking. I'm looking forward to following this kid. Maybe seeing him playing Kingston or something while uh, while he's down. Like, um, I think that. Uh, He's got, I think he's got the tools to be an effective NHL or at least an effective pro. Um, but last year, like last year was his first year playing um, junior hockey. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, I know 25 points in 68 games isn't a lot of points, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what the, if the move to Brantford is going to do good things for this franchise. Well, when, when we're looking at, players playing their first year of junior at that age, we can't really rely on comparisons between players from the past to today. Like there's, there's this comparison between him, if Jack, I Florian, Jack, I with Anderson, when Anderson was with London, right. After his draft, I don't think that's a fair comparison because Anderson didn't have to deal with missing a couple of seasons in there. Yeah. I think all the prospects, even now, we're seeing uh, we're seeing some trickle down effects in their development stages. Right. Like it's slowed. Yeah, and we're going to see this for a few more years yet. And we're so, also talking um, about the, and we're uh, also talking about him being on the London Knights, <laughs> which just yeah, year after year they pull rabbits out of their hats and they produce great teams. They're they're a friggin' monster, <laughs> right? So. So that I would be, I would be remiss to say, to compare Jack Eye's twelve goals in a season to say Anderson's twelve goals in his first year of junior. I don't think it's fair to say that, right? Because we don't, uh, I don't think we're going to see a top six player out of Jack Eye, but I do feel like we're going to see a very effective NHLer yeah. if the development goes the same path that it has in the last couple of years for him. I said I look at look at his brother as a comparison. If he's looking at his big yeah. brother and say this is what I want, and his brother gives him a kick in the ass and say, "Okay, let's do it," that he could make he could make quite a jump. He could, and it would be cool to see a, a set of brothers on the on the team. Yeah. I I can't remember the last time it's happened with the Canadians. Probably been a long time. It was, I think the last time was before my, my day and I'm old. <laughs> I'd have to look that up. Um, yeah. 
for our that's listeners, for our cool. listeners, that's for listeners. Yeah. That's, our, that's your homework. <laughs> oh, God. I hate homework. Uh, all right. So from there, we can move on to what we're, we're looking to this season. And the big question that everyone's uh, kind of trying to tackle at this point is, do you want the Canadians to have another high pick because this, this draft class is seen as strong again? Or do you want to see improvement with the team and some some kind of development where they end up picking a little bit later? I want to see a team that's going to compete. Yeah. Right. I like, you know, you don't want you know, like I'm never going to cheer for my team to lose. Okay. I'm never going to cheer for my team to lose. Like, yes, there's some good prospects available. Uh, there's another high end Russian kid available this year. Right. Yeah. Um, we can get very creative with, uh, with, uh, with some of the names, just like it was, you know, with Shane Wright or with, you know, go, you know, go hard for Bedard or whatever, or now mine is, you know, play like a weenie, get Celebrini. Right. So, <laughs> so yes, you can, you can say, and then there's, there's Cole Iserman, Eis- uh, Eis- Cole Iserman as well. Uh, there's some great young players that are going to be available, but I want to see development in this team. Um, losing sucks. You go from a Stanley Cup final to rebuild. Yes, you yeah. lose a franchise defenseman. Yes, you lose a franchise goaltender. At the same time, it's gonna fuck any time. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna fuck any kind of team. But uh, for for it to happen at the same time and the team to go into a nosedive, I want to see development from this team. I want to see the next step. I want to see Suzuki take that next step. I want to see Caulfield take that next step because if they don't injuries or not, it's going to be all the people in the media saying, well, Caulfield just signed this contract or this person just played this contract or you, you traded a first and a second for new hook or whatever. Like it's all the what ifs and it's all the bullshit. And I just want to see this team go out, perform, night in and night out and, and play hard for something and play for their fans. Um, do I expect them to go to the cup final? Absolutely not. No. Do I, would I like to see them compete for a wild card spot or a, a spot within their division? Absolutely. Every fan wants to see that. Is it realistic? I, I think it is for a wild card spot, right? A lot of other teams have, um, have improved. Some teams have have went down a little bit. However, this division that they're in, in the Atlantic, teams have been bad for quite a few years. And the teams that have been on the top have been on the top. They haven't necessarily been the performers in the playoffs. And I'm looking at Toronto. I'm looking at Boston last year. But a team like Florida who got in at a, a wild card spot goes to the cup final yeah right tampa tampa has been a, a powerhouse for a long time buffalo has sucked for so many years and now all of a sudden they're starting to stack up with prospects and those guys are starting to turn heads and they're starting to win games and ottawa's doing the exact same thing so montreal 
needs to show some sort of improvement. That's that's what I'm thinking. Right. I don't want the I don't like last year it was how it was it wasn't the fact that they were losing games, it's how they were losing games. Yeah. It's because every fucking time someone got touched, they would be out four to six weeks. Yeah. Right. I don't want to see that. We used to, we saw at the start of the year the team was on a little bit of a roll and they were beating teams that they shouldn't have they they, they, they shouldn't paper. have yeah. Yeah, on paper they were beating teams they shouldn't have won against. Yeah, but then it was trickle down effect of injury after injury after injury after whatever that led to another down season. Well, I see it just just in health if they come back and they're at least you know cut that uh, the man games lost in half, you're going to see a much much better team. Yes, but. Uh, Wanting to stockpile all the high picks all the time, there's no point in doing that. Not no. for so long. I mean, every no. single year. Oh, I want this top guy. Well, of course you want that top guy. Everyone wants but that. But your top team guy. has to suck. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At some point, the team cannot suck anymore. Unless you're Arizona. Yeah. Well, if you're doing a rebuild, you have to take a step <laughs> forward at some point. Yeah. Like if you're a legitimate rebuild. Right. And not just, you know trying to fill a stadium of 300 people right like you, you got to take a step forward and yeah, this you, is a year you, you've got to show some development have you have to show yeah. some development it's it's good for the young guys to take that next step in their careers because we're like looking meaningful at meaningful games right? later yes. in the season right we're we're um we're looking at a very young team here um very young leadership what the fuck was that very young, very Lightning. young, uh, <laughs> very young, uh, very young leadership group. And um, um, I like to see Suzuki. I like to see Suzuki um, take that next step. And, 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 yeah, and I want to I want to see coffee. will get his four. Yeah, I want to see Suzuki yeah. hit the 80 points. You know, like, right. everyone wants to see this because then it shows that the uh, the the uh, the investment they've made in these players not just in dollars but in time right. with development is starting to pay off and they'll be the players that they need when they expect the team to be a com- a contender right All right you look at the decor where most of them were brand new defensemen last year well now yeah. they've got that season under their belt they've got a little bit more playing time under their belt you look at health being another one you go into the season you got monahan back you brought new hook in who's hoping to be one of those guys that's going to jump in and do stuff similar to what doc has done hopefully he stays healthy um suzuki continues to be an iron man and again if 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 uh great caulfield played 46 games last year and scored 26 goals um uh, that's over a 40 goal pace I think that it would be incredible to see nobody scored over 40 since Riche, or was that 50? Uh, the last one to score 40 was uh, Downfuss in okay. 1994. Okay. Nobody scored 50. 95, 94, okay. 95. That's okay. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I would love to see a 40 goal score in Montreal. It's been a long time. Pacioretty, well, Pacioretty came close. Yeah. It was Pacioretty and Kovalev both had 39. Right. Once each. Right. right. That's it. That's the closest the Habs have been to a 40 goal score in the last 30 years. Right. Like it's they've only had one player get more than a point per game 
in the last 25 years. Yeah. And what was the, the last highest score that maybe even hit 70 points was Domi. Yeah. 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 That's the highest it's been. It, yeah. That was the highest it's been in the last few and years. Well, yeah. Uh, and the, the last hundred point uh, Montreal Canadian was Matt's Naslet in the eighties. Like it's been, <laughs> the Habs have been bereft of offense now for quite right. some time. So right. it'd be nice to see that offense start to come back. And I know that's the argument for the Mitchkov thing again, but the Canadians already have a small scoring winger in Caulfield. That's the way I saw it. That's why I wanted Leonard. Right. And that's why I don't feel bad that they picked Reinbacher. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all I got. You got anything else? Uh, do you want to quickly bring up the Ducharme comment? Sure. Let's sure. talk about that. Okay. Um, so what was it? He was on the sick podcast with, yeah. with Tony. Okay. And, uh, one of the questions that come up in the show, yeah, front of the show. And, uh, one of the comments that come up about if he had held, if he thinks that he held Caulfield back and, um, he said, I did not slow him down. I was not holding him back. It's an unfortunate coincidence. I'm sure if you told Cole about it, he'd tell you pretty much the same story. You know what, Cole Caulfield, he seems like a very good kid. Uh, and I don't think he's going to throw his former coach under the bus. I don't think he's that kind of person. Uh, Dominic Ducharme, recently hired by the Vegas Golden Knights as an assistant coach, maybe joining Bruce Cassidy's crew there. Um, I don't necessarily believe that he held him back. I just believe that it was his style. Like, it was his coaching style. And it was the some of the... Uh, some of the uh, decisions he made with his utilization on the power play or maybe some of his line mates, that kind of stuff. I'm not going to necessarily say he held him back and wanted him to fail or to, you know, Oh, you've got to play on the bottom lines to show your worth in the NHL or anything like that. We saw how he was in the playoffs when Ducharme was the coach and he was an impact player almost every time he was on the ice. However, in my eyes, he was, they were still utilizing the Julian systems. Yeah. Right. You bring in Ducharme, then brings in his own systems and they weren't working. And even Jeff Petrie called out his former, called out his coach and said, this shit ain't working. And yes, they hashed it out later on and everything. And I think they're fine now, but coincidence or not, they brought in Martin St. Louis, another player, that you know, a young goal or a or a small goal uh, goal scoring uh, winger, and after Ducharme was let go, he went from a goal and I believe a goal and eight assists to uh, twenty two goals in thirty seven games and thirty five points. And since San Luis has been his coach, there has been that fire under him, and we saw that last year prior to that injury where he was playing with a shoulder injury and he was still putting the puck in the net. And it just, it got to a point where they were like, we're shutting you down because we don't want any more. We don't want long-term effects. But uh, for a team that was struggling 36 points with 26 goals and 46 games is pretty good for uh, a 22 year old on a struggling team. Oh yeah, no, it absolutely is. And while I don't disagree with Ducharme's characterizations 
essentially he's basing his his point of view on the fact that they had a short offseason. Yes, that uh, Caulfield may have tweaked his shoulder. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, it's that stuff was going on with all the other players as well. And the whole team did look bad. Yeah. And then the injuries started them out and they had problems and blah, blah, blah. But not the other players were not as dramatically bad or unproductive as Caulfield yeah. was. Yeah. It's not like Caulfield was playing poorly. He was lacking confidence. He was lacking uh, opportunities. He was being used in situations that he is not really used to being used in, like defensive starts and on aligns with defensive type players. He doesn't have, so it, did Ducharme as Ducharme completely to blame? No, but he does carry a heavy burden uh, right. as to the reason why, and the the proof is in the pudding. Right, this kid, as soon as Ducharme left, day one under Saint Louis, he went from not scoring goals to having five goals in the first seven games. Like it, it was just a night and day difference between his play under Ducharme and his play under Saint Louis. I think it had a lot to do not just with his utilization, but the chemistry he had with his coach. Like they, they could communicate, but I don't think there was really any understanding. You know what I mean? Like they, they didn't jive. No. And the second St. Louis showed up, everything clicked for him. Yeah. I'm looking at St. Louis and I like his, you know, the, what the, how, the, how he trains the players and he, and he doesn't in game, you know, game time scenarios and everything like that. Mm. Um, and kind of does some high intensity stuff and everything like that. I still would like to see more system put in place. If that makes, I think if we're that makes see sense that this year, right. If that yeah. makes sense. Um, you know, he's got another full year in, um, they're establishing kind of what their core looks like. They're going to want to see progression of certain players. They're going to want to see what a guy like Slavkovsky is going to bring to the table. A guy like Harvey Pennard is going to bring to the table, maybe in a full season. Um, Mike Matheson in a full, um, a full camp and a full, uh, a full season. Uh, um, because that's going to, you have Mike Matheson all of a sudden now on your power play, your power play should at least do a little bit better than it did last year. Knowing that yes. he only, knowing Hard that he only, to. right. No, knowing that he only put up, um, um, knowing that he only put up 48 games last year, but he put up 34 points. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more system from San Louis, but I just, at the end of the day, I want to see a healthy team. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> Man, I would love to see them not set man a man games loss records this year. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Jesus, I, as uh, you know, I as much as I love watching the Laval Rocket, I prefer them watching them when they're playing in the AHL and not in the NHL. Yes, yes. Especially like, when they're and, not ready. And, and, and the thing is, like, it, it screws development up so much with with having it to does. pull these guys out, and it's all out of necessity, and. um yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping to establish a top line this year. All right. I'm hoping that they find yeah. that winger to play on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. And I'd like to see like you look at the best teams in the league. 
they've got lines that don't change. And I'd love to see that happen with Montreal one day. I don't, I don't mind the whole uh, pairs, having s- set pairs and finding wingers that could uh, graft onto that top line and play. Like There's a game they're playing against a big, heavy team. Well, there's one big, heavy player right. that can go on that line and yeah. match up. And when you've got a faster team you're up against, you get a faster player on that line with them and they match up. I don't mind that approach, but I agree. Consistency is key because it's got to be the same players on those lines. If you're going up against the big teams, it's the same guy every time and the same with the you know the speed of your teams. Same guy with those yep. two. You need you need to build that chemistry over a long period of time because you don't end up like the perfection line in Boston overnight. Right. Yeah. So do you have any final thoughts on the show? Um on the show no. Um uh, just in a whole uh make sure you follow us make sure you follow us on every platform you can uh we're closing in on five thousand on twitter uh or x whatever you want whatever you want to call it now and uh you know it'd be great to hit that mark obviously before the start of the season uh follow us on youtube if you're watching us on there now thank you make sure you hit subscribe and um other than that i got the news i will be deploying next year it is confirmed Yay, we're going to be on the same side of the planet at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'll wave. I'll wave from the water. <laughs> You'll wave <laughs> As from I the water. As I sail past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're going to be on the beach. No, it's not a beach, unfortunately, but <laughs> oh, there's water there. <laughs> there's water. Um, well, that's good news. That's good. You're going to yeah. be able to get a little bit extra money, another medal. Yeah. Uh, continue to be our hero here on Habs Unfiltered? I will do my best. And uh I'm already uh I'm already uh looking at so what I what I can bring and what my uh kind of what my room layout's supposed to look like and everything, see what the Wi-Fi is like. So hopefully uh <laughs> while you're getting ready to deploy, while I'm deployed, uh we can still throw out some shows every now and then, even with a time difference of five six hours right yeah we'll do yeah, our best hopefully, and, and hopefully we have some good things to talk about when i can make it on the show yeah now for me i need to keep the tradition alive i was asked to do this so i'm gonna do it freaking treg <laughs> you have a dad joke don't you it's a dad joke. <laughs> okay. Did you hear that laughing too loud? La- oh, no, I'm not doing that one. That is horrible. No, Treg. Just no. <laughs> I'm moving on to the alternate. Okay. Mom keeps asking why I have so much candy. She doesn't know I always keep a few Twix up my sleeve. That physically hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it did. Physically hurt. Like, I feel ill. <laughs> ill. Oh. Yeah. I, anyway, bet you that, I bet you that one hurt a little bit. It did. It was horrible. Absolutely disgustingly horrible. But the tradition has been kept alive. Yeah. So that's it for the show. Uh, I want to thank everybody who 
tuned in, who listened, watched us on YouTube. Uh, I, I echo Matt's sentiment. Follow us on all the different platforms. We're on almost every single social media platform. Find one, follow, find all, follow. Um, and I want to thank you for tuning in and listening this long, especially after that horrible freaking joke. <laughs> if you're still here, you are a saint. That's when, so everyone, I want to thank that's you. when everyone hit subscribe. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. You guys make this uh, make this show successful. It's your comments to us, your your ideas, where the interaction that we have fuels uh, uh, fuels us on this show. It gives us ideas that we can talk about things that everybody else is discussing, and we keeps us grounded. We understand what other fans think, and it keeps us from being douchebags year round we're only douchebags part-time right yeah so again thank you very much for listening and remember if you're talking about it so are we i'm matt kundle host of the sound off podcast the show about podcast and broadcast since 2016 we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades legendary broadcasters research wizards talent experts podcasters voice talent Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.